African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us for this installment of African Dialogue. Thank you for listening to us right here on Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. I'm your host, Benjamin Mushatama, and you're listening to us on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on our program, as today we're going to be focusing on South Africa to discuss the much-talked-about land expropriation and the latest developments in the National Assembly, which has set in motion a process to amend the Constitution to allow for the expropriation of land without compensation. We'll look at the positives, are there any negatives, and how will the process unfold from here on. But before we get that, uh, let's uh, get our news update from Anne Musa. In the headlines, Doctors Without Borders suspends its work in the Nigerian town of Ran following a deadly raid. Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni sacks the security minister and police chief in a surprise reshuffle. And one of the most powerful men in the Vatican, who is the finance chief, Cardinal George Pell, is appearing before a court in Australia charged with multiple historical sexual offences. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The medical charity Doctors Without Borders has suspended its work in the Nigerian town of Ran and evacuated national and international staff after a deadly raid. Suspected Poko Ram militants killed at least 11 people, including three aid workers in an attack on a military barracks in Nigeria's northeast Borno state last week. The United States has issued its strongest condemnation yet of the Syrian government's assault on the rebel-held eastern Ghouta, calling the offensive brutal. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad said the offensive would continue and denied there was a humanitarian crisis. The BBC's Sebastian Usher reports. These are the first public comments by President Assad since his forces launched a major operation to bludgeon eastern Ghouta into submission at the cost of more than 600 civilians killed so far. True to form, he dismissed Western concerns over the humanitarian situation as a lie and he made his strategy explicit, saying there was no contradiction between continuing the fighting while ostensibly observing a five-hour daily truce. That pause in fighting has achieved nothing so far, but the UN says it will again try to get an aid convoy in on Monday. Ugandan President Chiwiri Museveni has sacked the security minister Henry Tumukunde and police chief Kael Kiahura in a surprise reshuffle. 
The dismissals reportedly came after media reports of poor working relationship over a power struggle that has led to an increase in murders and insecurity in the East African country. Over the last six months, 26 women were mysteriously murdered in the capital Kampala and the central district of Wakisu. In February alone, six foreign nationals died in Uganda, some under unclear circumstances. The West African nation of Sierra Leone is gearing up for elections on Wednesday to elect a new president and a set of legislators and local council representatives. The country, which is scarred by a brutal civil war and the deadly Ebola virus, is among the world's poorest countries despite its significant mineral wealth. Sierra Leone was plunged into a devastating civil war between 1991 and 2002, notorious for mutilations, drug, child soldiers, sex slaves and rapes. And one of the most powerful men in the Vatican, who is the finance chief, Cardinal George Pell, is appearing before a court in Australia charged with multiple historical sexual offences. The hearing will decide if there is enough evidence for the case to go to a full trial. The BBC's Ewell Griffith has the details. Cardinal Pell arrived at Melbourne Magistrates Court flanked by a dozen police officers. For the first two weeks, the doors will be closed to the public and the media as the complainants who have accused George Pell of sexual offences give their evidence. The Cardinal's lawyer has claimed the police investigation into him has been flawed and has worked under a presumption of guilt. The details of the charges against Cardinal Pell have not been made public. Recapping the top stories, Doctors Without Borders suspends its work in the Nigerian town of Ran following a deadly raid. Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni sacks the security minister and police chief in a surprise reshuffle. And one of the most powerful men in the Vatican, who is the finance chief, Cardinal George Pell, is appearing before a court in Australia charged with multiple historical sexual offences. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for uh, our African Dialogue conversation. Remember, it comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. Remember, from 11 o'clock to midday, we bring you a conversation on the big conversations on uh, uh, the, really the big topics on the continent. Well, today we're focusing on South Africa. South African members of parliament have recently uh, voted uh, in favor of a motion to begin a process that will allow a land expropriation without compensation. And now our neighboring country, Zimbabwe, went through the same process of fast-tracking land reform and displaced commercial white farmers, replacing them with blacks. But the results were not as desirable as many would have wanted. Can South Africa do the same without the results that we saw in Zimbabwe? And also, what does the latest developments of land expropriation mean? And what does uh, this uh, motion that was introduced and also favored in the National Assembly in Parliament in South Africa actually mean for South Africa? Well, to assist us on this particular topic, we joined on the line by Jackie Dugard, who's an associate professor at the Witt School of Law. Jackie, Thank you for giving us your time. 
Thank you very much. Jackie, let's start uh, from a political perspective because a lot of people would be asking why uh, this is the time that uh, the ANC uh, parliamentarians have decided on voting with the the motion of uh, the EFF. I think that the reason that the ANC probably feels under pressure to um, look like it's making some massive change on land reform is because otherwise one would have to question what have they been doing for the last 20 years. So I think that this move to change the constitution is in some ways a recognition of the failures up until now. And if, if the ANC would vote against such a resolution, they would have to explain why they haven't moved forward um, more decisively in the last 20 plus years. And it's very interesting that this is the year that is leading to the 2019 national elective uh, um, elections. Of course. It's obviously a a political move. I think that um, there's almost no one who, who doubts that this is this is a, a, a thrust by the ANC to save um, the political future. Hmm. Now, let's look at this in terms of uh, the constitutionality of uh, this decision. I know that now the Parliament's Constitutional Review Committee have to now consider uh, to amend the Constitution to allow this expropriation of land without compensation. What would be the next steps be, Jackie? Well, I think it's first necessary to explain something that there's quite a lot of misunderstanding about. The Constitution, Section 25, doesn't um, say that there is a willing buyer, willing seller framework. So the extent to which the state has pursued willing buyer, willing seller, and market value-led sales up until now is a policy or political decision, and that links back to my previous comments about how now the ANC wants to show it's making a decisive break from the past. But it is very important to note that the Constitution says nothing about willing buyer, willing seller. What the Constitution says is that expropriation must be subject to just and equitable compensation, um, considering five factors, which are the use of the land, the nature of the acquisition, the purpose of the expropriation. It does list market value, but only as one of five. And then it speaks also about um, the extent of direct state investment in the land. So what I would argue is that if you were to properly pursue um, an investigation in each case, you could end up with um, close to zero or zero compensation in many um, cases on the basis Mm -hmm. of Section 25 as it currently is. Unfortunately, up until now, the government simply hasn't pursued the leeway that the Constitution provides for this very nuanced and important balancing act between various interests. So I would argue that, in fact, the Constitutional Review Committee could, if it looks at Section 25 of the Constitution and if it listens to some of the experts on um, the property clause, might come up with precisely what I've just said, that, oh, in fact, we don't have to change the Constitution. Let's just pursue a more reasonable, rational, and and radical and transformative approach to expropriation. Well, uh, let me also bring our other guest, uh, Ndabe Zintle Zikubu, who's joining us also on the line, the program's coordinator for the Association for Rural Advancement. Ndabe Zintle, thank you for also joining us on our program. Thank you, thank you, and good morning to the listeners.
Well, as argued by uh, Jackie Dugard, who's joining us as the Associate Professor at the uh, Vet School of Law, and is the fact that uh, there might not be a need for a change in the Constitution, an amendment of a clause, because already within the Constitution, it does allow for some form of expropriation if certain um, uh, considerations are mentioned, and she hi- highlighted state investment, the market value, uh, the use of that particular land, and also the public interest is something that has been actually put into that particular section uh, 25. And uh, also the subject of compensation also has been highlighted, but it doesn't mean it's an overarching part of the section 25. Is there a need to actually amend the constitution with this particular motion of uh, land expropriation without compensation moving forward, from your view? Well, uh I think yes, the, the the constitution does provide for uh, expropriation, uh, but as 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 already been indicated, it, it's it's uh, expropriation with compensation, uh, and I think there's been reluctance from the government to expropriate land for land reform purposes, uh, and and with with the. Uh, current resolution by the governing party to expropriate without compensation. I think uh, the understanding for me is that the, the the need for changing the constitution is particularly in respect of the fact that it's now compensation without it's now uh, expropriation without compensation. I think that's where the the, the need is felt for the the constitution to be amended because there is the there is now expropriation without compensation. Mm. Jackie, do you do you agree with that notion there that you, you need a, a legitimate statement backing out uh, that um, without compensation um, definition? No, I don't agree. Um, I think that what there is a desperate need for is for land reform, and I completely agree that land reform has not been prioritized, and more importantly, it hasn't been pursued um, to the limits of the Constitution. We just simply haven't tested the edges of the Constitution. I would say that the clause in the Constitution which says that expropriation must be subject to just and equitable compensation, bearing in mind all the factors, just and equitable when one has been dispossessed of land, um, when the land is not being used productively, when the purpose is to um, restore land to people who have been dispossessed, just an equitable compensation in that situation could be zero. In other situations, it might not be zero, but we, we simply haven't pursued the model and the matrix of the Constitution because the government up until now hasn't pursued that framework. It has instead, for its own reasons, pursued the framework that is set by the Expropriation Act, which is an apartheid piece of legislation, and that speaks about willing buyer, willing seller. So we've been using the wrong model up until now. So I don't think it is necessary to change the Constitution. I say first, let's have a proper thrust towards a transformative approach using the Constitution in which we define just an equitable compensation as sometimes being extremely low or even zero, and, and considering all those factors. And then we can, after that, perhaps we can have a discussion about if it's necessary to change that. I think that we just simply haven't got to the edges of Section 25 yet.
The question I'm going to ask after a break, and I need to, to go and to go to one, uh, and I'll come back to both you, Jackie and Dabezintle, is the idea of what does the land reform uh, actually mean in South Africa? Because the extension of its definition is starting to actually change, especially with uh, the politicking around this particular land issue. And the big questions, and some someone would call it a lame question, someone would say, is who has the right to the land and whose land should be? be taken and uh, uh, the process of making sure that that process is also equitable, that process is justifiable and also the fact that uh, the beneficiaries of that particular land, who, how will that be estimated and who will actually be responsible for that particular review? Those are the big questions that still uh, are actually have to be answered in this particular process. But we'll deal with those topics after this uh, particular break. This is indeed a joyous night. We are delighted by the overwhelming support for the African National Congress. For the people of South Africa and the world, this is indeed a joyous night for the human spirit. Your help and apartheid. This year, 2018, marks 100 years since the birth of South Africa's first democratically elected president, Nelson Kholisasa Mandela. Join Channel Africa, South Africa's international public service radio station, as we celebrate a centenary of the life and times of Madiba. Join us in a year-long broadcast campaign in honor of Nelson Mandela's legacy through a variety of informative radio programs. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa at 17 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. you with me, Benjamin Mushatam. I'll be with you until midday. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, as we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Joining us in our land expropriation uh, uh, topic today as we focus in South Africa, we have Jackie Dugard and Dabe Zinkle Zitlubu, who's joining us uh, uh, as well on our line. Jackie Dugard is an associate professor at the Witt uh, School of Law and and then and Dabezinklezikubu is the program's coordinator for the Association of Rural Advancement. Now, I want to come uh, to you, Dabezinkle, and I heard the nuances of the differences between you and Jack in terms of the amendment decision and uh, where you guys differ slightly on uh, the changes within the Constitution. But I just want to go back slightly because I think that's where we need to redefine some issues in terms of what we mean by land land reform and who has own ownership mm-hmm. to this land because historically we've seen the issue of land reform in South Africa as an issue of displacement as an issue of reformation but now it seems like it is uh, an issue that is coming into the realm of uh, uh, social economics and also uh, black empowerment realms uh, so how do we define uh, land reform because that's where the big question is going to be asked as soon as we see this expropriation without compensation um, arena actually accelerating itself? Uh, I think for me, when we speak of land reform, uh, land reform is uh, 
at a process by which uh, land is redistributed and the main beneficiaries of that redistribution should be people who were dispossessed of land through apartheid legislation and practices. And uh, since the, the, the democratic era of our country, we have seen uh, the land, re- land reform changing faces. I think during the Mandela era, it was more about reconstruction and, re- and, and, and development, mm. where the focus was on redistributing land to people who were uh, dispossessed of land uh, during uh, apartheid. Uh, I think the, 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 the focus placed on people who are currently living on commercial farms, Mm. And they were uh, defined in different ways. We've got people who are known as uh, uh, labor tenants who are providing labor on farms mm. uh, w- w- with no compensation. You also have people who are farm occupiers who are occupying farms and, and not providing labor, but not also owning those portions of land. Uh, I think the focus was more on, 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 on those people uh, through the legislation of the Labor Tenants Act as well as the extension of Security of Tenure Act. Uh, mm-hmm. There was also the redistribution of land to people who had a need of, of, of land for different purposes. But uh, when, when, when we move on to the Mpegi era, there was a change in terms of, uh, of the redistribution forecast where we... Uh, there was an introduction of the redistribution of land for agricultural uh, development, and 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 the, the focus there shifted from people who are living on on, on commercial farms, occu- uh, uh, providing labour and just occupying land, and more into the establishment of a black elite through mm-hmm. agriculture, mm-hmm. and the the the, the terms of redistribution of the land changed to favor uh, people who were more into agricultural use mm. than uh, subsistence use. Uh, so I think for me, the, the main beneficiaries of land reform uh, should be those people who are dispossessed of land, who are living on commercial land, uh, who are providing labor, and others are not providing labor, and are, 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 have very weak tenure, uh, security. So, uh, yeah, I think land reform uh, for me should be focusing on redistributing land to those uh, beneficiaries. Mm. Coming to you, Jack, it's interesting to hear David Zindler highlighting almost uh, uh, the various manifestations of this uh, land reform in South Africa due to the various um, um, governments that we've had post-democracy. Isn't that problematic in terms that we don't have um, a fixed definition of land reform or is this flexibility required for us to actually find ourselves where we are with this expropriation conversation in the country? Well, I think that there are so many factors encapsulated here, and you're touching on some of them. The first one is that, well, are we talking about land ownership, and are we talking about individual private ownership, or are we talking about communally held land? Are we talking about communal property associations? Do we have a policy of trying to ensure 
um, one person, one farm, for want of a better way of putting it. Um, so that is one thing. What model are we pursuing? The second thing is there are a whole lot of different imperatives. One imperative we have to deal with is food security and the creation of black um, farmers. So that's one imperative of land reform. Another imperative is restitution of people whose land was dispossessed. That is a, a different imperative. And at the moment, the two are delinked. Um, there's a question about whether they should be linked or not. So restitution has its own imperative, and that is to write significant and highly emotive um, past wrongs of colonialism and apartheid um, by restoring the land mm. to the people who were dispossessed. I should just mention that that process is closed. There was a 1998, December 1998 um, date, and that process is closed. So for the moment, it's only the claims that were lodged until 1998 that are being considered. It was the process was briefly reopened, um, but the act that opened it, the Amendment Act to the Restitution of Land Rights Act, was overturned by the court. It was challenged by the communities themselves because it looked like it was going to give too much power to, to traditional authorities hmm. um, to take power over, away from communities. So as things stand, the restitution process is closed and the Land Claims Commission and Land Claims Court is just settling uh, claims that were lodged until the end of December 1998. But there's another land reform imperative which doesn't have to do with ownership per se. It's got to do with land tenure, which we were just speaking about. And there are two pieces of legislation, the Labor Tenants Act and the Extension of Security of Tenure Act, which seek to provide for the security of tenure to people who live on farms but don't own them. So there are a whole range of different imperatives that the government has to weigh up in each instance. And that's why I would argue that the Constitution in Section 25 gives a really good framework for doing that because it actually deals with each one of these different imperatives. Hmm. That was bringing that to you with this conversation furthering itself to where it is, especially with the, uh, where we are from a parliamentary perspective. Do you see the restitution process being reopened again or do you see a continuation of uh, people delving more into the more of the land tenure process? Um. Well, I, I, I think there is uh, an interest uh, from government to reopen uh, the restitution uh, process. The reason for that is, 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 is unknown to me. I, I don't understand why uh, that has to, to, to happen. Uh, but I think there, there seems to be uh, more focus placed on restitution and not on on, on, on tenure reform sure, people sure. who are living mm, on farms. Mm. Uh, I, I don't understand why the government would not want to reopen the, 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 the process for lodging claims for labor tenants, for an example, uh, through the, 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 uh, the Labor Tenants Act. Uh, they, they, since the, the, the lodgement of labor tenant claims between 1996 and 2001, there is very little that the department has done in terms of uh, resolving those uh, th- those claims, and the the situation as it stands now is that most of those claims have also been uh, 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 
misplaced by the department when people go to the department offices to check as to where the process is now in terms of the resolving of those claims they are told that the, 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 their claims are, are, have been misplaced the, the, the department does not have those claims anymore mm-hmm. so I, I i think for me those are the reasons why we the department should also consider reopening the the, the process for the lodging of the pertinent claim to 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 correct those mistakes that the department itself has done uh, over the years because mm. it's it's not understandable why it would take so many years for the claims to be resolved. Uh, so I think the, the, there's there's a need for 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 the process to be reopened uh, for for the labor tenants to lodge. And with regards to the occupiers. ESTA is very clear in terms of uh, uh, Chapter 2, where it talks about uh, Chapter 2 of uh, ESTA, which talks about the facilitation of long-term security of tenure for occupiers, for people who who are former occupiers, and for those people who need uh, their tenure on land to be to, to be secured. Mm-hmm. But there's very little that has been done by the department to ensure that the tenure of occupiers and, and other people is, is, is secured. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also talks about the provision of, subsist- of subsidies to ensure that planning and implement- implementation of uh, on-site or off-site developments is, is done and, and, and uh, yeah, I think those are the issues that uh, remain uh, outstanding in terms of uh, the tenure of people who are o- occupiers on, on, on commercial farms is concerned. Mm-hmm. So there's, well, there's a lot that still yeah. to, to be done. Well, I'm going to come back to, to that because I think that's a very interesting uh, view that you bring forward there. But I need to go to a quick break. Stay with me there. Uh, we've got great guests joining us on our program today. Uh, remember, from Monday to Thursday, we have huge discussions here on our program where we look at the big conversations all over the continent. Today, we're focusing in South Africa. The big conversation is around land expropriation without compensation. Sounds like a very complex uh, situation that South Africa finds itself in. And uh, even uh, the restitution process has been very much questioned. And as you heard, the, 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 Lena, uh, the land turner uh, issue has also been uh, compromised in some ways in its process. So we'll deal with those issues in terms of should there be a revision of the restitution process and also the land turner process before we move forward with these issues of uh, uh, land reformation or land expropriation without compensation because of the fact that if we move forward without dealing with the more root issues, will we have a progressive uh, land uh, uh, acquiring system in South Africa? Let's take a quick one. We'll be back. It's 11.30 Central African time. This is Channel Africa. South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. 
Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Channel Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's our service into Sub-Saharan Africa. And you, if you're listening to us in South Africa and some neighboring countries, we're on DSTV channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And uh, you can also stream us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, we're going to continue our discussion with Jackie Dugard who's the Associate Professor at the Witt School of Law and who's the Programs Coordinator for the Association for Rural Advancement as we speak about uh, the big topic in South Africa about land expropriation and the land uh, issue has very much developed in its latest stages in the National Assembly which has set in motion a process to amend the Constitution to allow for the expropriation of land without compensation. We're told that the next step right now will be Parliament's Constitutional Review Committee's role to actually consider whether or not to amend the Constitution to allow appropriation of land without compensation. But one of our guests, Jackie Dugard, has already highlighted at the beginning of our program the fact that there may not be a need for a change in that Constitution due to uh, the, uh, the, 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 the clauses within Section 25 that would allow for Uh, expropriation without compensation without really lettering it out specifically within that particular section. We also have Ndabezin Klezikobu, who's the programs coordinator for the Association for Rural Development. I want to come to to you, Jackie, because before we went to that break, uh, Ndabezin has been highlighting a lot of uh, factors in terms of uh, uh, really um, just where the process is, especially the restitution process and the land turner process, and where I'm sitting, there has been some glitches in both those particular processes. Shouldn't we be reinvestigating the systems within those processes rather than politicizing this land issue? I think that's exactly right. The big question is mm. why have we failed up until now? Why have, and the problems that Zindler is speaking about are very serious. Last year or the year before, AFRA has had to bring to court the department for failing to push forward about 19,000 claims from labor tenants who were had made lawful claims in terms of the Labor Tenants Act for restitution of the land that they were working on and living on. And the department has refused to, to take these forward. So now there's a special master who is having to deal with all of these cases. But the question is, why didn't the government deal with them? And I think one has to ask these questions, uh, similar questions about the restitution process. Why has the restitution process been so slow? 
We're still going through the approximately 80,000 claims that were lodged um, by the first cutoff date in, at the end of 1998. It takes about, um, we, have to, we do about 560 claims per year, and in that rate, we will still be dealing with these for another 35 years, and that's only in the first phase. If we reopen again, we're really in trouble um, in terms of how long it takes. And also, we have to ask the question about why of the approximately 79,000 claims that have been settled, why have 68,500 been settled with cash rather than with land? Mm. So we have mm. to ask all of these questions, um, which are very serious questions. Before we go forward, I think we need to understand where we've gone wrong. What have we done well? What have we not done well? What have the problems been? But I also think going forward, it's very important to note another factor about land. Um, a land audit by the department at the end of last year has shown, you know, the worrying factor that in terms of private ownership of land, whites own approximately 73% of, of land in terms of private ownership and blacks only about 25%. That's very concerning, obviously, but that mm. is only 33% of South Africa's land. 67% of South Africa's land is not owned by individuals. It's owned by trusts, it's owned by government, um, it's owned by companies, uh, it's owned by traditional authorities. And the question there is, if 67% of South Africa's land is not owned by individuals and is owned by trusts and by traditional authorities in the state, could we not do a lot more there? And so, for example, uh, there's another controversy at the moment about the Ingonyama Trust. That owns 30% of the land in KwaZulu-Natal. Now, mm, do we mm. say that that is black-owned land, sure. or do we say that it's not? Mm. So it's, these things are very complex. Also, what about the land on which informal settlers live? That's usually state-owned land. Is that, is that black-owned land, or isn't it? Uh, it so these are, these are part of the tricky questions we have to answer. There mm. was your thoughts there, especially in terms of the definitions, because um, Jackie highlights a very interesting point whereby we have actually racialized the land issue. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree completely with uh, uh, Jackie's argument. Uh, uh, yes, I think the land has been uh, uh, racialized. I think part of, of it is that... Uh, I think the the, the, the governing party is, try, is trying to strike a balance, as the in the as, as the, the the president has indicated in his speech that we is going to be exploitation without compensation, but that has to be done in a manner that does not disrupt uh, agriculture. I think the main concern for the the, the ruling party is 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 the. The, 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 the economy and that we 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 trade very carefully in terms of um, dealing with the issue of land i i think for me that that on its own is is bringing in the racial question because most as, as the figures uh, indicate as jk uh, shared with us most of the land is owned by white people and very little is owned by uh, uh, black people. So if we are going to be uh, 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 putting or, or considering the issue of uh, uh, agricultural production and food security ahead of the need for the redistribution of land, I think 
we, we're still uh, 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 promoting this skewed ownership of land. Mm. So what's the way forward? <laughs> it seems very complex from where I'm sitting, and I'm sure mm. uh, for you both, uh, and and Jackie, it is complex indeed in terms of taking things forward. And I think that maybe uh, we haven't been honest from a political perspective whereby we have actually not actually went back retrospectively and looked at the pitfalls as was exaggerated by Jackie as well when I asked that question. Dabizinka, the way forward? I think for me, it's, it's, uh, the, the starting point is, is, is uh, what Jackie has talked about, the, the land audit. We, we, we have, the, the land audit has been done and it has indicated to us uh, what what the the figures uh, say in terms of ownership, who owns which part of land? So I think uh, the, the moving from 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 that, we need to have a, a a a stakeholder engagement around the question of land. It shouldn't be an issue for the ANC. It shouldn't be an issue for the politicians. Uh, there are a whole range of, of, of uh, stakeholders that ha- have got an interest uh, on, on the land question in South Africa. All those stakeholders have to come together and deliberate around what exactly should be happening when we talk about land reform uh, in our country. Civil society has to be widely consulted, including beneficiaries of, of, of land reform themselves. Uh, the, the main interest for us being people who are living and in, 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 uh, occupying uh, land that is used commercially uh, by, by, by mainly white farmers. So there has to be a wild consultation which is also transparent uh, and engage uh, vigorously around the issue of, of uh, uh, land and, and land reform in our country. I think for me mm. that would be uh, very, very, very necessary. Let me come to you finally, Jackie. Your thoughts? I I absolutely agree. There needs to be um, some sort of a level-headed discussion about what the priorities are. Are we prioritizing private ownership? Because as I was saying, only 33% of South African land is privately owned, 67% is not. So are we focusing on the 33% only? Are we focusing on the 67%? Are we focusing by land in trusts under traditional authority leadership? Do communities want traditional authorities to be the um, facilitators of, of their land rights, or do they want to have them more directly? Do we want to prioritize agriculture? Um, which, which types of agriculture? I think there needs to be a discussion about ownership versus use, communal use versus private ownership. Um, and, and I completely agree that this is what we need to go forward in order to find a, a solution to this really, really problematic issue. Indeed, doesn't sound very simple, very, very complex indeed. But thank you to our guests for giving us their time. Thank you to Jackie Dugard, who is the Associate Professor at the Witt School of Law and we also have the Programs Coordinator for the Association for Rural Development, Dabez in Klesikobu, joining us on the line. Thank you both for giving us your insightful views on this very, very hot topic in South Africa. Also very emotional at times, but we thank you for giving us your views. Thank you very much.
Thank you very much. Bye. Well, that's how we wrap up that conversation. What are your thoughts? Remember, you can still stay in touch with us. We want to hear your thoughts. Remember, you can email us at info at channelafrica.co. That info at channelafrica.org, rather. That's info at channelafrica.org. And uh, don't forget to be part of the Channel Africa family on our uh, Channel Africa uh, Twitter handle. Our Channel Africa handle is at uh, Channel Africa 1. It's the numeric 1 at the end, at Channel Africa 1. Or you can visit us on the African Dialogue handle, at African Dialogue, simply titled at African Dialogue. Well, let's quickly take a break. And then uh, when we come back, we'll get our Business news. Uh, Wisani Matebula is reading himself there in the background, and then after that, we'll get our sports after him. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial. 605-47-1711 Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective.